Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1, a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. Welcome in, everyone, to the Orange and Brown Report. We are finally going to get back on track. I made a big move, got out of the situation we were in before Living Wise. We're in a different spot now. That's why the podcast has been on hold a little bit. Nonetheless, we're jumping back in live. I am going to have a good guest on for today's redraft. We're going to finish these redrafts before the season starts. We'll also talk about other things involving this team, um, you know, important factors such as, uh, you know, the, the interest in... Uh, the Browns bringing in a right guard, Ronald Leary. We're going to talk about that for a brief second. Uh, but we're also going to redraft the first four picks of the 2009 draft as we keep going down that path, which I think these are really fun to look at names the Browns could have had and, and talk about players that used to be on the roster. Before we do that, big shout-out to our sponsors at betonline.ag who are offering a great welcome bonus using the promo code BLUEWIRE. Make sure you're going there, taking advantage of opportunities to bet on the MLB, the NBA, that are rocking and rolling right now. Uh, maybe you get some college football down the line. I don't know. We're going to definitely get some NFL, it seems like, at this point, at least the start of the NFL. And you can bet on that and all the futures and all the fun things that are out there. They have online poker and blackjack that run 24-7. You can go to betonline.ag and get, again, that welcome bonus using the promo code BLUEWIRE. And, again, our friends at Deal Dash. So Deal Dash is offering a fantastic offer right now where if you go to the site and use the promo code BREAKDOWN, again, that's dealdash.fm slash breakdown, for this podcast, you can get 100 free bids upon sign-up, which is fantastic. You can win a lot of great stuff that's out there. That is out there. So go to dealdash.com, use that promo code breakdown, or go directly to dealdash.fm/breakdown using that promo and getting 100 free bids. Go there, take advantage, and win some prizes. So we're going to welcome in guest Stephen Thomas, our man. We're going to do the 2009 redraft. How are you, Stephen? Living the dream, my friend. Have, looking forward to having more fun. Looking back at. Uh, just the blast we have uh, uh, with our crops of players every single year. We, these haven't been fun. I've yet to run into one that's been fun. I probably won't run into <laughs> one until like the last few years or something. So it's just miserable as we've seen all of these pan out. But it's also fun to just look back and talk about those names. Before we do that, though, I did want to get your opinion. The Browns or at least bringing in. I don't know if they've, they haven't signed him yet. Ronald Leary, do you think uh, this is kind of pertinent information for the day? Do you think that's a good, wise investment as a potential sort of depth piece or you know, a guy who could start at right guard uh, come week one. Well, you and I have had, uh, and our mutual friend Jeff Lloyd, uh, we've talked about Leary in the offseason as a potential uh, trade piece or free agent pickup for I don't know how many years in a row, three, four, five years in a row ever since he left Dallas. And the question with him remains the same. Uh, can he stay on the field? Because when he's on the field, he's, uh, you know, uh, top half at least of the league in guards, if not top, you know, quarter, top 10%. Um, but he has only played one full 16-game slate in his entire entire career. And last year, I think he played 12 games, and that was the most he played in three or four years. It's been Denver paid a pretty penny for him about three or four years ago and just haven't – he just couldn't stay healthy for him. Um, as far as 
do I think it's smart? I mean, obviously, we'd have to see what kind of numbers and what kind of deal they're talking about. But if they're bringing him in, I, I, it can only help. It can only uh, stabilize uh, what everyone knows is the only spot on the on the offensive line that's really up for grabs right now. Um, and yeah, I mean, you think about it between him and, and Teller, if, if you could get put him in as the starter and you know, say he plays 10 games and then Teller comes in for six, I mean, I think you're okay for this year. And then you can look into the draft for next year or something like that. Cause you know, Leary's, he's still, like I said, he's still solid, but he's on the wrong side of 30 and I doubt they would bring him in for any kind of long-term deal. But um, yeah, I like it. I mean, at this point in this, in this crazy COVID 2020 season, when you never know what's going to happen, um, five minutes from now, let alone three months from now in the middle of the season. Yeah, I, I mean, bringing in a guy like Leary, who's proven he can do it in the league uh, for a long time, I, I'm all for it. I am. I mean, I am too. I, I think people want to say that they could be fine with Chris Hubbard and and Nick. Like, I, I just don't, I don't see Nick. That. Yeah, I don't either. I don't see Chris Hubbard ever being an effective guard. I get in a pinch, you can throw him in there, like I guess, but he's just a body. And Nick Harris is is a nice future projectable player. But he really, to me, is only a center, and he's not going to thrive with a guy head up on him all the time, week in and week out. Like he's just, he's physically not built for it. So to me, you had to make some sort of guard move. Now they've signed a couple of auxiliary pieces, guys that sort of fill out the practice squad, maybe, or guys that fill out the training camp squad. If that, this is a serious name. Like Ronald Leary right. could be a right guard starter. So yeah, I'm with you. The, if the price is right, and this guy wants to come in and play a year, and you know, if he plays well and actually puts strings together a season where he's, he's, you know, I guess keeps his injury missed time at a minimum, then do it. Yeah, like, like then it could be a future thing. It could be a deal where he he stays on for a year after this. So who knows? But I think it's a good it's a good investment. You know, Brandon Why Thorne. Not? Yeah, then Brandon Thorne's a guy who I really respect. Does a ton of offensive line study on Twitter. I just retweeted. I know you did uh, as well. Some of the stuff from Leary's 12 games. He studied all 750 snaps of his. Is impressed. Said it's a smart move if the Browns would do it. So I'm in. I think you just you just have to make sure the price isn't crippling because you know the salary cap could get tight. I don't expect it to be crippling. A guy who's a free agent at this point is just probably looking to make a one-year paycheck that is decent right. for him. So, yeah, I think it's a wise move to make, and I hope they end up going out and doing it. Um, yeah, let's let's switch. We're, we are, we're not going to waste any time. We're going to talk 2009 draft. If you recall this draft, you're talking about the top of the draft, Matt Stafford, um, who's pick 1-1, one, one, then some other picks that, that – didn't quite pan out in their career over the the next most successful pick in terms of career value guys who really made a difference pick 10 is michael crabtree in terms of just career approximated value made a difference malcolm jenkins at pick 14 made a difference arakpo brian arakpo is there who made a difference and i look i like to do these and i hopefully everybody follows along using pro football reference you can use the career weighted approximate value it's not a perfect tool like weighing pro football careers is kind of silly but it also does tell you who at least was a starter for a long period of time who had pro bowls under their belt and who produced in their career so it's fun to look at it yeah and then like arakpo's pick 13 malcolm jenkins brian cushing had a decent run where he was seven years as a starter with a pro bowl Josh Freeman was terrible. Uh, it started hot, fiddled, fiddled, you know. After, actually, ironically enough, Josh Freeman got away from Alex Van Pelt is when his career went downhill. And then Jeremy Macklin's the only other guy above 50. So the, 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 if you're looking at sheer top 20 picks before the Browns get up at pick 21, the first one we will repick, it's not great. It's not no. great. And there's not a ton of names there that you feel bad about missing out on. You obviously like Matt Stafford for where his career has gone and where it will potentially still go. But I think pick one, which is pick twenty-one, is Alex Mack, and I don't know, Steve. I, I don't. I don't have a problem with the pick. Do you? Would you repick it and keep him? 
Well, yeah, that's the thing with Mac. It's uh, for some reason they've always been really good at picking centers. I don't know what that is. You know, between Mac and Jeff Fain, and you go all the way back to Everett and Mike Babb, and I, for whatever reason they've always they've always had an, an eye for that. I don't know why. So yeah, it's really hard to argue against Mac, especially you know uh, all th- four of the picks we're going to do today are in the top fifty-two. So if you look in the next reasonable you know 10 15 uh, uh picks i mean who uh, patrick chung's had a really nice career you could you could say james laurinaitis you know uh hakeem nix had some some good years but is there anybody that you look at and go oh yeah definitely but the only guy you could make a case for that you could maybe would be clay matthews five picks later uh to the packers and i know a lot of browns fans wanted him i, I certainly did I, I i imagine you were probably in that camp for the nostalgia and his dad and everything but also he's a hell of a player and he's hey he's put up you know a damn good career and obviously it's a far more you know flashy position than center and everything else but really how, how do you argue against alex mack the guy's been an absolute stud even though half of it you know wasn't here in cleveland for what a decade now over a decade and i if you forced me to pick somebody else i would take clay matthews but to be honest i'm with you i just i would leave it as alex mack and go on about my merry way and be happy about it i'm with it he was a great player while he was here has obviously continued his fantastic play in atlanta and it has sucked to watch him leave because he was just a really fun 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 player even at a position that's not fun right he was a fun guy Great, yeah. in, great interviews, very, very intelligent, cerebral guy to Cal, and uh, was, was a really, really good player, especially along that 2014 group that we all look back so fondly upon yes. up front. So, um, yeah, I'm with it. Next pick is so the Browns have three second-round picks, two of which um, were, were wide receivers. So they're, they're obviously were hungry for wide receivers. I'll give you guys a recap. They took Brian Rubisky um, with the 36th pick and then Muhammad Masakwa with the 50th pick. And neither of them amounted to much. Rubisky was pretty bad in the league, only played 38 games, had 43 catches for 485. Masquel had some flashes before he had his Pittsburgh decapitation that really changed his career. Mm-hmm. Where he had 12 he had he had 54 starts, 118 grabs, 1745 yards. And then the last pick is pick 52, David Vicune, right? Did we get that right? We stuck. Did I did I did I remember? <laughs> we it? actually looked it up. We did. Because we, neither of us could remember exactly how to pronounce it. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was Vicune. That, that was what we uh, we came up with. So yeah, three second round picks uh, between 36 and 52, and uh, like you said, not much to show for it. Um, and then we, remember they took Bo Bell the year before, right? Like two terrible linebacker selections. Right. Um, selections in a row so yeah let's repick picks 36 50 and 52 so um yeah let's go to pick 36 who would you have there uh, a lot of good names on the board actually go ahead yeah i mean i think the one that jumps right out is shady uh lashawn mccoy uh, just a little bit down from there uh although he's one of those guys we, you and i have this conversation quite a bit situation matters in the nfl way more than a lot of people want to give it credit for and to just assume that he would be the same shady in in cleveland through the the never-ending turnstile of offensive systems and quarterback play and everything is is folly really i mean talk about a perfect situation going to andy Reid in philly i mean come on for a guy, a guy with his skill set that's just about as great as it gets so there's no guarantee that he would have been the same guy here, but uh, I, I still would have probably uh, taken him because you think if he had somehow survived the four intervening years, 
You think about that 2013 team that was the big Josh Gordon and Jordan Cameron year. Throw Shady into the mix, catching balls out of the backfield with those two guys stretching the field, and it would have been fun. Now, you know, in all likelihood, he wouldn't have survived the offenses in the four years before that. The Browns would have cut him. He wouldn't have been the same guy. They wouldn't have been able to figure out how to use utilize him the way Andy Reid did, and he would have been gone by the wayside and caught fire someplace else. But um, I, that that one was of these next three. That was the most obvious to me was that uh, Lashawn McCoy was sitting right there, and they went with uh, with Brian Robisky. So that would be my pick at thirty six. Before I give you my pick thirty six, I'm going to talk to you about Sunday Ticket, which is coming back as the NFL makes its way back, and you can stream every live out of market NFL game. And I know you, Steve, you're out of market, right? You're in California. You way gotta, out. Of- you got to get Sunday Ticket, man, and this is what's available. We got Sunday Ticket on all your favorite devices. That's what's new, right? Plus Red Zone, DirecTV, Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams, favorite players, no matter where you live. NFL Sunday Ticket TV is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. So use the promo code Blue Wire at checkout and get fifteen percent off your subscription. And it's a little. You know, it's a valuable tool. So 15% is nice to get off of that uh, that Sunday ticket. So visit sundayticket.tv and use that promo code BLUEWIRE today. Now, my pick, this is tough. You know, I almost am crazy enough to have considered doubling up centers because I think one of them could have played a really effective guard because Max Unger was a hell of a player. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And he was sitting there, uh, ended up being pick 49. Uh, but I am actually going to take a guy... Um, Probably, probably a little bit unexpected from you, but I just I know that they ended up taking. Uh, help me out, Kansas City. Mitchell Schwartz, another draft later, right. but T.J. Lang was sitting there that didn't get mm-hmm. taken until the fourth round, and um, I just feel like where the Browns were, they just needed to keep stockpiling offensive linemen. So I'm cheating a little bit here because I know Shady, I can take a little later, and I, I could take T.J. Lang later too. But I just feel like a dude who had a heck of a career. Um, had a couple Pro Bowls, seven years as a starter. I think the sixth or seventh best career value. So Solid. I took I took TJ Lang out of Eastern Michigan. Um, a little, this is a total hindsight pick, but um, and also you know we can't have the same freaking picks over and over again. We're gonna talk about other players. <laughs> so yeah, I took TJ Lang to get, to sort of anchor that right side uh, opposite Joe Thomas. Yeah, yeah, I, hard to argue. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, a guy that played what uh, eight years, ten years is in uh, in Green Bay, and now he's in Detroit. Yeah, hard to argue with that pick. Um, I, I have no problem with that pick at all. All right, so let's do the next one. This is the Muhammad Massaqua pick, which is pick fifty. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, uh, like you said, he showed some flashes, and I always give him kind of a pass because you know he got cheap shotted out of the league by uh, uh, James Harrison. I don't think he'd ever, you know, been a a one he was not going to be a julio jones or anything but i think he could have carved out you know a nice eight nine year career as a number three number four guy around the league you know 25 30 catches a year something like that he could have he had the skill set to do that and and it's a shame uh what happened to him so my but like you said they were determined to get wide receivers so i took that into account on this and down at 84 uh the uh, pittsburgh steelers snagged uh, mike wallace uh, so that would be my pick here. I was I was gonna go with uh, uh, Julian Edelman, but like we said before, uh, situation matters. And if we're honest with ourselves, I think we're stretching it to think that Edelman would be the Edelman that we know if he had gone anywhere but New England. Nobody else would have been able to do that with him. So, Mike Wallace, deep threat, 
uh, had 500 and some odd catches, uh, tortured us in Cleveland for years. That would be uh, my pick instead of Massaquai at 50. Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of where I was at too. I took Shady here um, mm-hmm. just because I, I don't know why I felt difficult when I made this, but I took Shady here. So that's my guy, and then I'll jump to my next one, which was Mike Wallace. I'm with you. I don't think Julian Edelman – this is really, I'm going to be honest, a part of my – it's a pretty shitty draft. Like there's, there's really – there's if, not a lot. If you're looking at guys in the first two rounds, there's not a ton. There's no – I mean, I guess if Matt Stafford makes it, maybe LaShawn McCoy. Is there a Hall of Famer in this draft class? I don't know. I don't see, like, a lock. Um, there's fun names, like Michael Orr's in this draft class and some of those different things. But, like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't see a ton of those big-name guys. So, like, even this redraft is not – you know, you're getting Mike Wallace. The thing that I would have liked about Mike Wallace over Julian Edelman for me with my last pick, because I guess I'm going to jump to your 52nd pick, which is the fourth one we make, is that Mike Wallace was – he had skills that were, I think, would have thrived with a lot of different quarterbacks. Obviously, Mike benefited heavily from going right to Pittsburgh and playing with Ben, sure. but that speed, that lift the lid off a of defense is always going to translate while Edelman, although Julian has turned himself into one hell of a receiver, his initial start and his bonding relationship and a fit in an offense that he was really, really excellent at picking up and stayed with. Like, he's had one offensive coordinator right. his whole career. And, uh, you know, that's how you master a system. Now, I don't know what it'll look like with Cam Newton. That's another conversation. But I feel like for the time being at that pick, that position, Mike Wallace makes a ton of sense. Who's your pick at 52? Uh, I'm going to go with the guy that actually came here for a year. Uh, I'm going to reach down about four rounds later and take uh, Jason McCourty. Uh, Solid career, not a, you know, a flashy name, uh, but he played well his one year here in Cleveland. And he got, you know, ran out of town by a coach. Got to watch the tape. Um and he's still doing, you know, uh, playing uh, reasonably well. And But you think about it, it probably would have changed their first round pick the next year. But if you take him and put him across from Joe Hayden for the next, you know, five to six years with the two, that's pretty exciting to think about uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Um, but like you said, I dug and dug and dug and there's just... There's really not a, there was like three punters picked and four kickers picked and it was it was a strange draft. Um, but yeah, McCordy slipping to I think he was in the sixth round, maybe the fifth. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. Uh, yeah. That would be my pick here at 52. Yeah, there's guys like Glover Quinn who's who was a fourth round pick who who you know has had a pretty nice career. I think the second yeah. most inter- interceptions in the class. I, I, it's just a weird. There's names like Patrick Jared Cook, Patrick Chung. Um, some of those like, web. I'll give you one trivia question before we go. Uh, second most overall ta- actually let's do this. Who had the the most overall tackles in this class first and second? Don't cheat. Oh goodness. Um Laurenitis? Laurenitis is second. That's a good guess. I never would have guessed that. Uh, um yeah, he was a machine for a long time uh, with the Rams. God, who would be first out of this? I'd have to go back and look. Um I don't know you, but Arakpo maybe because I know he's got way more sacks than most people think. Um, but I, don't, I can't. I don't know if he's got the tackling stats. I don't know. You got me. Arakpo second most sacks in the class behind Clay Matthews. Um, most most uh, solo tackles in this class. Malcolm Jenkins six hundred eighty two. So two Ohio State ah, guys first and second. So yeah, good stuff, man. This was fun. These are these are hasty because we only make four picks, but it is fun to revisit. Two thousand nine. Not a great draft. Not a great not a great uh, depth draft, but was still fun to look back on the name. Steve, thanks, buddy. Thanks for having me, brother. All right, guys, that's a wrap. Make sure you're checking out. We got a ton of great stuff on the site right now. We have. Uh, every day, Steve's doing a fantastic job on this day in Browns history. 
He he literally is posting it every evening, so fun reads on different people. Lyle Alzado is up today. We had Kevin Stefanski expanded on his influence with Gary Kubiak and his relationship with him last year and his influence on the offense that will be in Cleveland in 2020. Uh, also have Nick Chubb's data, the a wide zone, what he looks like in the system and why it's even better than you think it will be for him. One of the NFL's best in this. And then we also have the uh, the schedule for training camp is up too. So if you're wondering about when they're hosting that live, that is up as well. Join us at the OBR. Become a member right now. Some of the stuff that's coming free once we hit the season is going to go behind the paywall, the subscriber paywall, because we work our butts off as my cat is meowing in the background. We work our butts off here, and um, you know everybody's trying to make a living, and hopefully you really enjoy the content and, and, and really appreciate it because we do work hard for you guys to do the best that we can. So we appreciate your support. And again, always a subtle reminder, review this podcast for us. Make sure you're joining us when it's up. Make sure you're subscribing to it as well. We always appreciate your time, and uh, we will try to catch you one more time this week with 2010's Redraft, hopefully tomorrow. So thanks again, guys. Have a great day. Go Browns.